1: How are we doing today? Happy Monday, mon. IB Nation Sports Talk is up and rolling. I just saw a couple couple uh, comments about my trip to the Bahamas that I, I took. No, as you can see, I don't have dreadlocks. Um, and no, Stymie, I uh, I did not find $8 billion. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> it's Dario, Sean Styers. We're rolling on this Monday. Glad to be. Who needs $8 billion when we've got each other, right?
2: Absolutely. Money, I mean, money is not what it's all about by any stretch. No. Friendship is what it's all about. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Let's just keep
1: telling each other
2: that. (laughs) If I ever won $8 million, Sean, some of it will be coming your way.
1: I would throw you some as well if I won. Appreciate that. $8 million. I've got, you know, like. Sort of a list of, you know, in my mind anyway. Of that's right. It would go. I would throw the D'Addario's a bone, though. That's for sure. Yes. All right. So we're going to put kind of the final wraps on, uh, on Notre Dame USC, of course, today. I know you did close to marathon programming on Saturday. You did a pregame show. I forgot about the watch party you guys were yeah. doing Saturday. How'd that go ultimately? You know what?
2: It was actually pretty fun. Uh, you know, I get. I get a little wound up during games, and uh, it was funny watching. So we came on at seven. The game obviously didn't even start till like seven forty-five, and so I'm like, you know, and and, and people are like, oh my gosh, he's wound up. He's like, he's ready to go, and all this stuff. And I, uh, it was once the game started, I thought the the conversation was good because we we're talking about strategy and all these different things, and there was a lot of good stuff in the chat, and it was it was a good time. I had a really good time. It was fun. It was different. That's for sure. It was definitely different.
1: Yeah, I had a different viewing experience of my own Saturday because I was still in the Bahamas. Notre Dame, the women played at 4.15. So the game got over, you know, around 6.15-ish, something like that a little bit before 6.15. Then we had some time, get back to the hotel. And there was like a little, not a sports bar, but there was a little bar right down the road from where the uh, resort was. And uh, so we watched uh, a lot of the staff went there. The team was not there. Okay. But the staff went there, you know, the, the coaching staff, a lot of the, ex. you know, the other staff, you know, like the trainer, the strength coach, you know, all these different people were there. There were a couple parents, you know, of some players that were there as nice. well. So it was first time watching with a group personally Yeah, in a long time, actually. And, you know, it was, it was obviously very Notre Dame connected as well. After Michael Mayer scored Notre Dame's first touchdown, Neil Ivy jumps up, and she does some push-ups. She does seven push-ups. Did somebody put her up?
2: Did somebody people put her up? She did them on the floor. She okay. did them on the floor. Her
1: All and right. a couple other. The strength coach mm-hmm. actually jumped down there as well. So, you know, so so that was a little bit different. So we did that for the first half. Nice. Then we went back to the resort. Um, Everybody kind of dispersed at halftime really horrible reception for ABC in my room it was the worst of the channels of 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 course, course. but it was like, it had kind of a choppy feed and the, the, the audio would go like Herb Street and Fowler basically sounded like chipmunks most of the night. (laughs) And that's probably an improvement based on a lot of the comments that I've seen about Fowler. I've heard
2: that sounds like an absolute improvement. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we'll, we'll touch on that rapid fire. Coming up in a little bit. If you would, right now, hit that like button on YouTube. Of course, we appreciate it. You help out the Irish Breakdown channel, podcast, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We do appreciate it. It's amazing that the regular season is over at this point. Nuts. We've got about a week to, you know, a little bit less than a week, obviously. We'll find out where Notre Dame's going for its bowl game, but boom, here it is. It's gone.
2: It goes by so fast, Sean. And I, I know. I, you know, I will say and I just to kind of touch on your watch party with the other with the women's staff. I do really appreciate it. I don't I'm only associated with Notre Dame as far as like being on campus and speaking with coaches and stuff like that. So I'm I'm not speaking as a whole like all other colleges and college campuses and all of that, but at Notre Dame, at least the sports that I'm around, it is awesome to see the support that the other coaches have for the other programs because yeah. When I was at, you know, I'm at, you know, summertime. I'm in the the football facility, and they had the baseball game when they were in the college, or yeah, the college world series, right? Uh, you know, or not the college world series. It was the regional against Tennessee. They had that game up on the jumbotron during the football camp, and when they turned that double play to win it and go to the college world series, all the coaches were hype and getting excited, and they actually. Gave a darn about what was happening with another program on campus. And so I don't, I'm sorry, I don't think it's like that everywhere. And so I think that's pretty cool. I think that's really cool. So I do too. I'm glad you got yeah. to experience that with another set, another staff. You know what I mean? Good I think point.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: good point yeah and like i said it had been a while since we since i'd really done something yeah, like bet. that it, it was kind of cool to get you know out of the resort and down it was, it was like i said it was a little bar the uh the uh the bar maid i guess you would see you know i don't know if that's what we call them these days but she was overwhelmed she was <laughs> like she just kept saying i was not ready for this <laughs> Because <laughs> it was a group of, you know, like 20-plus people. I'm sure. Basically took over the bar, and, yeah, she was she was working. She was working. Okay, I just, I'm sure
2: she made some money on it.
1: So That's I'm what sure I told her. Okay. I said, look, you're going to get a good tip when this is all Yeah. And done, so just keep that in mind, okay? Just keep
2: working, babe. <laughs> just just keep doing your thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the score ends up being USC 38, Notre Dame 27. Yeah. My score prediction For this game, you
2: got some flack for this too, by the way. I
1: did. USC 35, Notre Dame 27. So I don't delight in the fact that I was right, but I picked Notre Dame's point exactly, and I was just three points off on the Trojans' point total. And I did get some flack for being the only staff member (laughs) to pick against Notre Dame. And as I said on Twitter, wait, what, am I just supposed to rubber stamp Notre Dame every week? What's the use in making picks if that's what right. we're exactly. going to do, right? So this is what I said about the matchup when when I sent, you know, we have to send Brian our, our, our little write-up and our pick and, and all that stuff. So here's what I said about the matchup, and I'll let you evaluate this, okay? I said, this is the latest in a line of games this season that I think Notre Dame can win, but there's just so much that has to go right. Southern Cal's run defense, justifiably so, is the weakness that's pointed to that, you know, should most impact this game. But the Trojans allowed just 138 rushing yards and 424 passing yards in their only loss of the season, a one-point loss to Utah, while they gave up 204 yards on the ground in the previous week's game, 48-45, in their win over UCLA. So they gave up over 200 yards to UCLA, still won the game. Notre Dame has not Notre Dame has to not only run the ball but be more multifaceted with its offense, get a big special teams player too and turn Caleb Williams and company over more than once. A tough task considering Williams has just 3 interceptions and 385 pass attempts. So that's what I said. Vince. Yeah. You know again, I'm not reveling in the result, but I think I pretty much nailed it.
2: What do you think? Well, you did nail it. And I I think that, you know, Notre Dame was not able to get the run game going. That was obviously not the way they wanted to start and that's why they got themselves into a 10-point hole in the first quarter. I mean, offensively they played USC straight up from the second quarter on. The problem was they gave up a 10-spot right at the beginning of the game and they just and we and look, we said it all along that Notre Dame is not built to come back. That that's not who they are. They're they're just that's just, they're just not. Uh, and while they had their opportunities to do that, because they did, it was, and, and as bad as the defense played, as far as giving up points, right? As bad as the defense played, Notre Dame still had an opportunity to win that game. It was the turnovers. It was the two turnovers, specifically the first one that did them in. It was the, And, and right. you said in your write-up, Notre Dame needs to turn over USC, which obviously they did not do. And USC ended up turning over Notre Dame twice, so they were minus two in the turnover ratio ball game. I mean, I,
1: right? You, and I mean, you talk about things. game like game of inches. You know, there were obviously yeah. a couple times where it looked like Notre Dame, you know, was going to have a turnover, and you know, right. like us, you know, but you know, the I think they got all the replays correct. You know, I like including, you know, the and, spot and, of Drew Pine, and it's like yeah, it looked oh. like initially like pine did just flip over and then boom his elbows down yeah that was i
2: I thought even on the field that was a bad call to be honest with i thought (laughs) they gave him a really good spot even if his elbow didn't touch i felt it was still a good spot uh to be honest with you but and and they got the fumble correct right i mean they got it right and when you look back on it all the 50 50 calls rightfully so i'm not saying that they were wrong in the in those calls but all the 50-50 stuff seemed to go USC's way, Yeah, you know, from a karma standpoint, you know what I mean? Not right. not that, it, you know, it could have gone either way from a call standpoint, but from the, just the way, it, like, so the fumble, the first down, you know, those things, you could look at those as like 50-50 plays, but they went USC's way. They recovered the fumble. Uh, or, or, yeah, the uh, and then the one that, that Drew Pine had, he had a chance to recover it and didn't. USC recovers it, right? Yeah. USC fumbles the ball. They end up recovering it. So, I mean, just all of those, that 50-50 stuff just went the other way. And that's just how the game is played, man. I mean, yeah. that's football.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, they were right in there. And, again, like, they needed to be at least even in the turnover. They couldn't be minus. And, and that's, you know, but, like, USC went into that game. I think they had caused, like, 24 turnovers all season going into that game. Notre Dame – had turned the ball over, obviously a lot more in recent games, but they weren't near what USC was, and USC protects the ball so well. Like I said, Caleb Williams still only has three interceptions, and you know, so that was sure. that was a tough the task. They had to in in a game, you know, it's one thing, you know, just like for a quarterback to you know or a team to to you know put up all these stats against a. Decidedly inferior opponent like Boston College, UNLV, whoever it happens to be. It's one thing to do that. But when you're going up against a team that, at the very least, you're more evenly matched with, if not, you know, they were an underdog going into this game, you had to have more of that kind of, you know, that. And that was my point. You had to create some breaks of your own. It had to be all three phases. It couldn't just be all on the shoulders of the offense. And unfortunately, that's how it ended up, especially when they did turn it over. But I'll tell you what, though. What's also underrated, Vince, is when USC gets the ball first, marches downfield, converts a couple third downs, you know, using some misdirection on a couple consecutive plays, and you know, hitting big plays in the process, getting downfield. They go right down and score seven nothing, and that's what you're worried about. Like worst case scenario, that it's just going to be like, boom, here comes USC, just waltzing downfield, and then you go three and out on your on your opening drive. That is just they got very fortunate I felt like you know after falling behind 7 nothing and then 10 nothing that it was only 10 to nothing that the defense at least in that instance with a short field because USC after Notre Dame goes 3 and out they get the ball at their own 49 and then the defense does at least make them settle for a field goal that to me was one of the few victories that the defense truly got all night very they few. Were fortunate not to be in a bigger hole right off the bat
2: yeah, it, very few. And that that's that's the problem. I mean, you know, you're right. That was the one that was the I mean, honestly, it was one of two one of two drives that USC had all night where they didn't score. Yeah. And you know, they they put Notre Dame in a position Well,
1: it was three, right? Because didn't yeah, cuz Caleb Williams did the little quick punt twice.
2: Right. So I mean, that but that was two. They they only had two punts. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, that was it. I mean, that, that's the only time that Notre Dame stopped them from scoring. They went touchdown, field goal, punt, touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown, end of the game. And the last – I mean, the last possession, technically, they didn't score, but all they did was put a knee on it. So, I mean, that doesn't count, in my opinion. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight possessions, and they scored on six of them. I mean, that the defense didn't show up as a whole. They just no. didn't. I mean, and I don't – it was a that first turnover by, by Drew. And look, yes, his stats were really good, okay? His stats were good. But you can't turn the ball over twice because every time he turned the ball over, they went down and scored a touchdown, okay? So y- y- say what you want about Drew, and he had a good game except for those two turnovers. But you can't say except for those two turnovers. That's the thing because the first turnover was a 14-point swing. You were in the red zone going down to score. And I fully believe that Notre Dame would have scored a touchdown there. They You're would've.
1: talking about the fumble, the yeah, fumble. Yeah,
2: yeah. they would have scored a touchdown there.
1: No, I know that's and a big
2: swing. Instead, Notre, uh USC gets the ball. They go seven plays, 74 yards, score a touchdown. That's a 14 point swing. So if you look at the final score, you take seven points away from USC. Hey, and you add seven points to Notre Dame. It's a different ball game, and they're not in a two point drill or a two minute drill at the end for Drew to throw an interception. I it's mean that first turnover that was deadly in
1: yeah. that game. TCU right now is undefeated essentially still because of a similar scenario against the Kansas Jayhawks. When Kansas was still undefeated, they I think they were both 4 and 0 or 5 and 0 going into that game. Kansas is driving late in the first half, fumble at the 1-yard line of yep. TCU. TCU ends up with the ball and I think it took them like four plays to go down and score. A touchdown. Again, it's a 14-point swing right there, and it ended up being a one-possession game at the end. And as a result, here's TCU in the college football playoff. It's it's a big killer. And that's football,
2: man. And I I do want to push back on this, Salty. Uh, It says a failed fourth and one with USC scoring afterwards. They did not score afterwards. They actually punted after that. So when Notre Dame turned it over on downs, USC punted immediately following. But still, I want to
1: talk – My biggest grievances with play calling in that game were those first two possessions.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Other than that, I felt like, and I I do, I'll talk about it here in a second, but I'll just say this first. I do feel like, like when you look, especially offense, defense, and we'll save the defense here for a second, but I felt like Tommy Reese was at, was at least able to adjust. You know, it's something we've been all over him for. They obviously were not able to run the ball as effectively. Now, when you fall behind, you've got to kind of come out of your game plan anyway, but they still adjusted, you know, and Pine, sure. Pine obviously played a pretty good game. They made good adjustments, but let's talk about, real quick, third and two, first mm-hmm. possession. Again, they go three and out. The Digs jet sweep, you know, you've got your 21, or was it even 22 personnel out there? You, anyway, you've got your two running backs. You've got Estime, you've got Digs out there, but You know, one, because you're, I think it was 22. Now, again, I can't, I I can't remember, I can't say for sure if Jaden Thomas was on the field. So, you know, don't blame me for being, you know, like one of these. It might've been 32 personnel
2: or 23 personnel. I mean, either way.
1: At the very least, there were two running backs, but they had everybody lined up tight. So what have they got? 11 in the box for USC and Mm -hmm. they do a jet sweep to Logan Diggs. I think, you know, question number one is why was it not Chris Tyree, you know, your fastest running back running a jet sweep or, or you know, or just fake the jet sweep and give it to Audric Estime because I fully trust him to just truck the defensive back who was sitting on the edge of the defense and pick up the first down.
2: Well, I have a multitude of issues with that because I wouldn't even call it a jet sweep because he came from a wing position. True. So- he didn't even have an opportunity. He didn't even
1: have a faster head start. Yeah. He didn't even
2: have an opportunity to get up to full speed. And so you you 100% ran right into that. I mean, that was, that was just not good. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It was not good. The play calling on that particular play was not good. Why would you bring everybody into the box and then try to run outside of that? And it, it just – it was overthinking the situation by a huge degree which we've seen a lot of we have and it was a big problem in this game on these two particular plays yes for sure.
1: yes and then the Mitchell Palooza play just, on fourth and one which you know is again it's after the Drew Pine first he's got the first down they go to right. replay fourth he and a long the first down.
2: one that's the yeah. problem
1: and that's uh, that's that's a that's a great point because that's, it was a long one. Like, you know, going back and look at it, looking at it, it's not just like fourth and half a yard or fourth and inches. It's a yard plus that he had to get to pick that up. And again, all 11 guys are in the box because of the formation that you've got. That would have been the perfect time because I think it was Jaden Thomas standing on the left side of the line. He crashes in. He's, basically just jumping on the pile he wasn't actually blocking anybody just have him freaking free release and that's the perfect time to have Mitchell yeah. Evans throw that mitchapalooza pass for right the first so time. Mean, and he I, probably might have scored a touchdown out of it
2: i honestly thought that's what we were gonna see if i'm yeah. being honest i i thought that this is the perfect opportunity for a fake and i thought it was almost too obvious that it was going to be a fake if i if i'm being totally clear on this i i when they lined up and I was like, Well, they're not gonna sneak it here, that'd be stupid. So, this is an obvious <laughs> I mean, this is an obvious situation where you're gonna fake that you've been we've all been waiting for. Yes, they've snuck it so many times. Here comes the fake, it's gonna get stopped because everybody knows it's coming. But no, they tried to sneak it, and I'm just befuddled by that whole situation. That that just shocks me. And
1: you've done it enough this year, you're not surprising USC with right. anything
2: in right. that instance.
1: That that was like if you're gonna go for it, that's the perfect time yeah. to to pull that pass, you know. But yeah. again, that's not you know. And again, you're also in field goal range, right? If I'm remember, yeah, you're you're in field goal range. So on the fourth down, yeah.
2: I don't remember. I, assume, I I'm gonna assume you that you're right, but I don't honestly don't remember. I just remember being very upset. So. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of where I'm at on that one. Yeah
1: uh I well, just, they did, you're,
2: you're right they did they drove let's see they started on the I think 27
1: they were at the 27 or 28, 28 27. yard line and well yeah. and
2: they had gained they started on the 27 gained 54 yards right right so they were right on the edge of field goal range at the very least
1: yeah
2: i, I will say this groupie has the leg to get it from there i don't know if he's got the left to right but he's definitely yeah he definitely has the north to south it was yeah. the left and right that i would have been worried about We've only got yeah.
1: one more game to worry about groupies range that's and a then, solid point then it's on to the next guy. So, uh, yeah, so Mike Nolan with the Super Chat. First two possessions missed assignments. Tight end released. Didn't seal linebacker. Play was open. Third and three Pine missed digs flaring open before Mitchapalooza. And that's, you know, it's, it's still, I'm a little bit mixed because you can talk about, well, Drew Pine completed all these passes, you know, first 15 passes to open the game and you know, over 300 yards and all this different stuff, three touchdown passes. And he did, you know, he played for, you know, with the exception of the two turnovers, which were killers, he played a pretty good game. But there were still, which pass was it? The, uh, the you know, the one where, I know it was second half, and I'm trying to remember off the top of my head here, you know, where he, the first thing he does is look for Michael Mayer. And of course, Michael Mayer is double teamed. And then I think he's got Colsey running a deeper route on that same side, you know, right behind Mayer. He never looks at him, never throws it. There are still those kind of, those kind of opportunities for Drew Pine, where you can say, well, you know, he's got these numbers and efficiency and all this different stuff, but there's still receivers that he doesn't throw to, you know, and that's.
2: I mean, he did that. throw to the backs though. Five well, receptions for sixty-four yards or whatever he did. So, I mean, he did throw to the backs more, yeah. and it was an we've, been, we've been calling
1: error. for it. You know, we're yes, you are right. We, we can't overlook it. it.
2: We were all we all saw it. um So he did throw to the backs. So I mean, that you know, it, it's okay. I don't. I, you know, again, I don't want to. I don't want to pick on Drew, right? Because he played a good game, but you can't say he played a good game, but right and. He played a good game, but they, they had those in those turnovers, yeah. specifically the first one. That that's the game to me. I'm sorry.
1: Michael, I do agree again to an extent. He says 15 passes to where what does that mean if you're not scoring touchdowns? Well, he did throw three touchdown passes. So it's like, but again, there Whatever. were there, there are always upset. there are there are always opportunities that, that Drew leaves on the field. Right. And that's, Michael's that's very upset the they
2: only scored seven points in the first half.
1: I get no, it. it. Yeah. I yeah. get it.
2: I totally yep. understand where you're coming from. Right.
1: But again, if you're giving away, you know, you gave away the first possession when you go three and out, you go exactly. three and out against. And that was my biggest, you know, that, that was the first question that I'm like, they can't go three and out. They can't go right. three and out. And That's then here they did. go third and two, and they run that stupid play and they go three and out. And again,
2: Worf
1: start possible. Yeah, yeah. They were very, very fortunate again, that the defense with, when all USC had to do is go 51 yards that the defense held them in the red zone. One of the few times they've, they've bowed up in the red zone yeah. and not allowed a touchdown when, when a team gets in the red zone this season.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, look, there, there's a lot of things that you can nitpick about this game. You're right. Seven points is not enough in the first half. I agree with that. Right. But they went toe to toe with USC scoring wise from the second quarter on. Yeah, they did, but they, they got outscored 10 to nothing in the first quarter. That's the problem. It's not just the first half. It was the first quarter that was the problem. They gave up 10 points in the first quarter, and they had no semblance of an offense in the first quarter because in the first quarter, Notre Dame had two possessions. One was a three and out, and one was a turnover on downs. That's not going to get it done, and nobody's going to dispute that. Right? Seven points is not going to get it done, Right? but they, they did hold – uh, you know, USC to, you know, they had a 10-point deficit, but then and they had a 10-point deficit the rest of the game, pretty much. So, you know, again, a valiant effort by many of the Notre Dame players, and then many not so much. And so, as Brian said in the post-game show, there's, there's going to be some serious conversations had with a lot of the, you know, with a, a number of players, you know, coming out of this at the end of the season, and all of these different things. And I am not doubting that Drew Pine played as well as Drew Pine can play. Just can't turn the ball over the way he did. You no. Just can't do it. You can't fumble yeah. the ball going into the red zone. You can't do that. No. So And that's
1: – it's just very unfortunate. I, I would love to see how the game played out if that hadn't happened. You know, I right. think we're having a different conversation today. But it happened. USC I – mean, It
2: is what it is.
1: USC only threw for 232 yards, Caleb Williams, but they ran for 204. You know, they're the team that had the balance, no turnovers. And then Notre Dame, 318 passing yards, just 90 rushing yards. And, you know, again, the 318 is a result of the adjustment that they were able to make. It's like, okay, we're not just going to be able to ram it down USC's throat. They stacked the box. You know they were they were able to, to you know to come up with enough stops early that it made Tommy Reese and Notre Dame come out of what they wanted to do. USC just dominated the line of scrimmage, though. Again, they rushed for 200 yards, and and let me just ask you this, Vince, because we're you know, I think we both agree that defense is the bigger issue and we haven't touched on defense yet we had someone who said he just popped in uh d rock irish may have missed the defensive look defensive tackling was atrocious disappointed in usc gaining 156 yards a reserve running back fair well larry says biggest problem for me the uh
2: the blitzes to nowhere sean and i could have had over 100 yards in that game it didn't matter who the back was sorry i mean they're, they're they're starting by the way they kept showing the starting running back on the sideline. Did you see when they would do that? Did you get a good look at him out of curiosity? I did. I did. Did he not look like his facial hair to me? If they would have stuck a pair of black glasses on him, he would have looked like Bobby Valentine trying to sneak back into the Mets <laughs> dugout.
1: He's not who I thought <laughs> Die would look like. No. Not at all. Not at all. But... Not who I would have thought he looked like. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> I like you. that. I, like I don't know
2: that. why that, that image came into my head when I saw him, but that's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. But, uh, no, I well, it, it wasn't the running back that did amazing things. It was the offensive line. The offensive line took advantage of, of, of Notre Dame's front seven and specifically of their linebackers. Took advantage of them all night long, and I give a lot of credit to Lincoln Riley for just sticking with the run because that's not his M.O., and he did it because he knew that that was what was going to win them the game.
1: Now and look, Al Golden, you know, talking about adjustments and lack of adjustments, Al Golden came in obviously with a game plan. He went with his 3-3-5 defense. And as you know Vince, as we all know, sports are about adjustments and Notre Dame's been really hit and miss with it throughout the season and I felt like Again, they did a good job of adjusting offensively. Maybe it's because they were forced into that situation, but they still adjusted and were able to turn it into some points in the second half. But when Al Golden was hired, I still remember this. He talked about, well, you know, his background in the NFL, and, you know, they make adjustments series to series and and this kind of stuff. And, it, you know, so he, he felt like that was really going to prepare him and and have him ready. But did it feel like we saw that at all? Like what adjustment did Al Golden make throughout the course of that game?
2: Well, he didn't. that was the problem. and it's I mean, to and me and it's
1: like there's a there's a yeah, there's a track record of it throughout the season where he hasn't adjusted either. like when you look at how things have gone.
2: No, I agree with you. Uh, the adjustments for this entire staff have been an issue for me the whole season, offensively, defensively. other teams have made much better second half adjustments. Yeah. than Notre Dame has. And that's, that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem moving forward. And if they can't fix that, then maybe the guys that are there aren't the right guys because you have to be able to adjust. You have to. And they're just, they haven't. And it's not good.
1: Here's an interesting question. Super chat from SB. How important is elite talent to the success of Reese and Golden's schemes? Notre Dame is setting itself up for frustration if top three classes on Top of three classes on top, oh, on top so of top, top three, three classes on top of top are three. needed to be in the playoffs.
2: Well, first of all, Notre Dame does have a top three class coming in, depending on what service you look at. It's either two or three right now, so that's not going to be a problem. Number one, so that I know that's the second part, but so if that's what you need, then Notre Dame's going to have that. I don't think that that is the issue per se because of. Their schemes. I think that you know the obvious thing that Notre Dame is missing is that they're missing an elite quarterback. That's what they're missing, right? There, and whether you think Tyler Buckner is that guy, or whether you think Kenny Minchie is that guy, or whether you think C.J. Carr is that guy, or whatever, they don't have an elite quarterback on the field right now. That's the issue, right? That was the difference in the game on Saturday. No matter what you have to say, that was the difference. The defense played like garbage. But if they had an elite quarterback, Notre Dame wins that game.
1: And look, and it's not just that USC had an elite quarterback; they did. But Notre Dame still has a backup quarterback. You know, like absolutely. It, and, and I guess what we have to kind of sit back and evaluate when we ultimately evaluate Tommy Reese, because we can be frustrated in a lot of, you know, rightfully so, we can be frustrated with a lot of different things that he did. But at the end of the day, one of the questions to me is, did he maximize Drew Pine? Like, did we see the best that that we could see out of Drew Pine? I think the answer is probably yes, based on everything that we saw. So, like, if you're going to grade on the curve, as frustrated as you might be, be, you know, because, again, like, Drew Pine, with the exception of Saturday, with the interception and the fumble, did not make a lot of fatal mistakes. Agreed. This season, he protected the ball yep. pretty well. You know that's were, why this
2: surprised me, to be honest with you, because I thought that's one thing that he's done really, really well. Yes, is protected the football.
1: Right, right. And he ended up going eight and two as a starting quarterback, and with all the frustrations and everything else, and you know, and the pendulum of of you know the you know the the, the Drew Pine arc. It's you know, it's like. Well, you know, everyone's doom and gloom after seeing him at the end of that Marshall game. And I think we're the same, but you know, but then he goes on, he catches fire for two and a half games. And then all of a sudden we see the other Drew Pine where again, he's not turning the ball over, but they're still winning for the most part with the exception of Stanford, but he's not turning the ball over, but he's still a sub 50% quarterback. And then, you know, his play kind of elevates again toward the end of the season. And, you know, so much so, That people are like, don't even want to talk about having Tyler Buckner (laughs) in in a bowl game. Right. You know, coming off the bench. Right. And and so now I just I I have to think that Tommy Reese did maximize Drew Pine. And so, like, as you evaluate Tommy, and I'm not, and again, I'm not saying Tommy Reese is a perfect offensive coordinator based on mostly on lack of adjustments and some game plan issues that we saw this season, but I I I think that I lean much more toward he probably maximized what he could get out of Drew Pine this season.
2: I don't disagree with you. I here, and this isn't a disagreement, but I felt like they should have. How do I want to say this? If we're if we're looking at Saturday Night in a nutshell, I think that's a maximized Drew Pine. I do. I think. Right. I think that that's that's Drew Pine. That's are That's we're not asking him to be elite. But that's Drew Pine right there, right? I feel like there were too many games this season where they did not maximize him, and it didn't happen soon enough.
1: And that's true, too. So that's,
2: that's what true. I'll say to that. But I all yeah. I agree with you. But that,
1: it's a part of it is because of simple things, like giving great. him running backs to oh, throw the ball to more and those kind
2: of things. And, then, and they should have done that more. Like they, yes. It almost felt like at times – now, there were times where he didn't throw it, but there were also times where that running back wasn't put out to throw two, right? And so that is that is maybe a, a scheme issue or whatever. So I felt like that could have been done better to help him out earlier in the season than they did. But your point is is 100% on par. We have to remind ourselves, Drew Pine is a backup quarterback. He's a backup. And Notre Dame went eight and four with a back... Well, they went eight and two with a backup quarterback. Yeah, A lot of teams would be pretty stinking happy to have that, right? So, yes, we're all upset about the season. We we all think it was a disappointment, going eight and four. And I'm not going to disagree with you. I I'm on that train, right? But if you if you look at the macro, the bigger picture, eight and four with a backup quarterback for ten games, I mean, <laughs> that's not that's not bad. Yeah. Okay. And, and I'm not trying to just spew rainbows and sunshine here because it's a disappointing season, right? And Notre Dame was one turnover away from being in a New Year's Six game, in my opinion. They're one turnover away or one defensive stop. One defensive stop from being in a New Year's Six game. So, you know, I, I'm not happy, but I can at <laughs> least explain it away a little bit.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I agree as well. We had a uh, a question Nick Lane, by the way, with a super chat. We were only down ten points with two turnovers. That's not bad, you know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I accept it. Right. Quite that, you know. Right. Is it that bad? Well, no. But this is not like the 2005 USC or the 2006 right. USC. This is this is still a little bit different, you know. It's it's the yeah. the, the the talent disparity is not that great and that's just that the talent disparity at quarterback is great was there for everybody to see
2: yes and i and i would also say i mean you know you can play this game all you want and we played this game in 2018 right when notre dame went up against clemson if you flip the quarterbacks on that team notre dame wins that game you can say the same thing about saturday night you flip quarterbacks i don't think the game's close if i'm being honest i don't think the game's close look notre dame wins
1: The bottom line is, and I was thinking about this twenty years ago. You know, twenty years ago was two thousand two, really, when the rise of the Pete Carroll era began. Two thousand two, Carson Palmer winning the Heisman Trophy, and then of course you had Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush, and those guys come in afterwards. But when you look at all the quarterbacks that USC has had drafted in the first round, some of them more deserved than others, but still, with very few exceptions, Brady Quinn, Deshaun Kaiser are are the top two who come to mind, USC has always had an advantage for the, for the most part, you know, the majority of the vast majority of the last 20 years, USC yeah. has had a great advantage at the quarterback position. Sure. Like in the you know, again, at the beginning of those 20 years with Pete Carroll, it mattered more because they also had more talent across the field, but in more recent years, Notre Dame has had better talent across the field they, so they've managed to win those games even when you have a guy like sam darnold again do i think he deserved to be a high first round pick no but he was you know so talent evaluators thought that he was but you know whether it's him or you know Slovis or you know whoever these guys may be all you know really highly thought of quarterback talent they've had the advantage there but Notre Dame i think we all know you know that's that's where Notre Dame has to be better Absolutely. you know like just look at just look at Clemson where they are right now yep. if you you know if you dropped Caleb Williams into Clemson they'd be a lot different looking team sure. right now or if you know an elite quarterback like Trevor Lawrence and that's really like again even though Clemson had guys you know they had more guys a couple of years ago and Trevor Lawrence was still there to me that's still
2: they had Deshaun Watson and and uh and Trevor Lawrence back to back exactly like, that's an embarrassment exactly. of riches right yes. no, no, they went out and got those guys don't get me wrong They went out and recruited him, did it the right way, you know, all of that. But when you have those two guys back to back, you're going to have success. And they did. They won multiple titles. Right. You know?
1: Things don't have to be as perfect when you can start off with a high-end guy at that position. That's just what it comes like. So, like, to answer the question, do you have to have all this talent to run these systems? The answer is no. You know, like, in fact, I think, like, without Golden, it leans more like he likes, you know, J.D. Bertrand's a great guy. He's a smart guy and all that stuff. But we can see what his deficiencies are. But Al Golden really seems to value that, you know, kind of like a past defensive coordinator, you know, like having the smarts and the ability to process all that stuff. And I get that there's a place for it. But you're going to need, you know, again, you're going to need a higher, higher end guy, higher end uh, level of talent at at those positions as well. Ultimately, if you're going to have a truly championship defense.
2: Right. No, I'm with you. I, and then you know, there's high end talent coming for no. I mean, the, the, you know, there obviously there's freshmen. Yes, they're going to be sophomores, and those freshmen they did get. You know, wh- whether they played enough for some people, which I totally understand. Okay, totally get it. But they do have playing experience, right? And I think it's going to be an all out battle at linebacker next year and in, in the off season because that's what I I've been thinking about so. that as well because I hope so. these. They're These all young
1: guys back. are coming on. These young guys are, you know, yeah, are coming on. Even though we didn't see as much of them against USC, but again, I think part of that was they wanted the assignment sound guys. Unfortunately, right. the assignment, quote unquote, assignment sound guys weren't as assignment sound as they needed to be. There's a lot of tackles out there.
2: The the gains of having a smart, intelligent person on the field were outweighed by the fact that they didn't execute right plain and simple.
1: Especially when you're playing with, you know, with this 335, so you're, you know, you're keeping an extra linebacker on the field more often and that's, you know, that's the, the way the game played out, that's that's part of yeah. how USC was able to run for over 200 yards. Yep. So, agreed. Okay, question from Brent about the bowl games. Who and where will we play our bowl games? So, it appears to be down to 3. Okay. Like there from from all the everything that I've been able to, to gather. You got the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando. You went there a couple of years ago, right?
2: Uh, is that what it was called? I, I went to Camping World Bowl. Is that the I same think it's one? The,
1: yeah, that's the Cheez-It. Okay. Yeah. You got the Gator Bowl, which yep. is in Jacksonville, and you got the Holiday Bowl right. out in San Diego. Virtually every projection out there right now has Notre Dame playing in the Gator Bowl Correct. against an SEC team.
2: That's what I've seen as well.
1: Yeah. It's, some yeah. say South Carolina, some say Mississippi state, some say Ole miss it's, you know, obviously it's going to depend on SEC yeah, team, similar which, records. Yeah.
2: Which, which, okay. You know, and it, and it, for the ACC side of things, right. The way the ACC tie-ins there, there is an order of operations to who gets to pick and when and all of that. Right. And, I believe the Cheez-It Bowl has first pick.
0: Yeah,
1: it goes Cheez-It, Gator, Holiday. That's right. the order of the and picks.
2: It sounds to, it sounds like, from what I have heard and what I've read, is that the Cheez-It Bowl wants Florida State. Right. And so the next one would be where Notre Dame would go because nobody's going to turn down Notre Dame. Right. And so that sounds like the Gator Bowl. And so if the that's- Cheez-It
1: did pass on Florida State, they would probably take Notre Dame, but I I, I've heard exactly what you're hearing that like both of those bowls, because they're in Florida, because it's been a little bit since Florida state, right. You know, it's kind of been in that, you know, where they could go that like both of them really covet Florida state right
2: now. Right. So, yep. So that's, that's, that's the way it sounds to me is that Notre Dame is going to end up in the Gator bowl against an SEC opponent, right? Whoever that SEC opponent may be. I don't think it matters a whole lot. you Obviously, it'd be fun to write about Elaine Kiffin coached team. You now, know, I like the headlines there.
1: The one scenario where you could possibly see it, where, where the Gator Bowl might have a decision to make. You know, again, like if the cheese it takes Florida State, mm-hmm. but then if North Carolina were to upset Clemson in the ACC championship game, then that sure. knocks Clemson into that tier. Would the Gator Bowl take Notre Dame or Clemson? In that situation, Clemson you know a lot closer in terms of fan base and everything. Here's the
2: thing, though. So Clemson would have 11 wins. Notre Dame has eight. Notre Dame needs to be within two. No, I'm sorry, they have 10 wins, right? So they're 10 and two right now. Clemson is 10 and two. So they'd be 10 and three
1: if they lose again.
2: So they would still be within two. So I mean, Notre Dame could get selected over Clemson. They have to be within two. I think is it within two wins or one win?
1: I believe it's one.
2: If it's one, then they have, have, to, to, take then they have to take Clemson. There you go. And that's the situation. One. So that's yeah. it,
1: right there. So that yeah, no. you're right. They would have no choice then, right? In that, in that case, and that would potentially, you know, again, unless the the cheese it said, well, we'll we'll take Notre Dame. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's the scenario where Notre Dame could could end up in the Holiday Bowl is if North Carolina right. beats Clemson.
2: And I know that. The media all wants to go to the Holiday Bowl because it's in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. I get it. But I, I think we're our bags are – I don't see – number one, I don't see North Carolina upsetting Clemson. <clears throat> but in that scenario, then Notre Dame would get pushed to the Holiday Bowl. You are absolutely correct about that. And for everybody that wants LSU to win or LSU to be in the Gator Bowl, they, I think they would pretty much have to get absolutely smoke-showed by Georgia, which is yeah, a definite possibility. Um I would have to look at the SEC tie-ins. They
1: would fall into that range because all those teams, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, mm-hmm. South Carolina all have at least four losses and if LSU were to lose, you know, which they probably should, lose <laughs> to Georgia, you know, they'd have right. four losses at that point as well. So, I mean, they could be.
2: Yeah. I'm still I mean, you know, we'll see. I'd rather pass the circus than than right. stop And it would be it would be a circus. And I yeah. can you imagine? <clears throat> can you imagine if Notre I'll Notre take a Dame, playoff
1: game in a couple of years? over loses Gator Bowl. Huh?
2: Can you imagine if they lost that game? If Notre Dame loses oh, yeah. that game. I know. I, I just I don't know that I want to be in an off season where we have to talk about Brian Kelly beating Notre Dame like that. I, I I just would not enjoy that at all. No. So, I hear you I'm just gonna say that